Welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. Read these words and hear these words. Baseball is back. As of last night, the season has been put in place. A 60-game season after weeks of drama and frustration and... Just a lot of ugliness. We finally have a season planned for 2020. Players are going to report to camps starting July 1st, and the season is going to start sometime around the 23rd or the 24th. We don't have the exact schedule right now while we're recording, but we know what the schedule is going to look like. We also have rule changes, which we're definitely going to get into and a bunch of other stuff that we'll talk about. So stick around. We have a long, good show for you tonight. And how you doing? Much better now that baseball is going to be happening, but I still have uh, some reservations about it too, though. Yeah, as I'm sure everybody does. Um, you know, right now we're in a situation where we've got this official word that baseball is back, the plans are going in place, it's 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 still a little complicated right now. You know, the pandemic has not gone away. We've seen the cases arise in Philly's camp. We heard about the report about Charlie Blackman and the Rockies. We've seen some spiked cases in Florida, down south, and we've had the governor of New York, I believe, uh, implementing 14 days of quarantine if you're going going into the state. Now, we understand that there's measures being taken to kind of exempt ball players. And MLB is obviously going to do what they can to keep the players safe and make it as safe as possible. Also, it doesn't really seem clear what crowds are going to look like. We know the plan is to play in home stadiums, but states are differing right now. So there's still some uncertainty, but we know for a fact that there has been a season at least put in place scheduled. It, It could still be postponed, canceled, whatever, but we actually have a season that's put in place. So, you know, Adam, there's a lot to digest right now. And obviously fans are trying to look at the good because their favorite sports back while others are trying to also be conscious about what's going on. What were your initial thoughts when we heard the announcement that baseball was officially coming back? Uh, my very first thought was finally, I mean, we've been waiting on this forever and under better circumstances, Baseball probably could have already been going. Uh, at the very least, they they would have they would have had something in place that allowed them to start maybe in early July rather than towards the end, like we got. But uh, I'm glad we get something. I'll, I'll take I'll take this truncated season over nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I I found myself like most other people just completely and totally annoyed by the back and forth between the MLBPA and the league. Uh, it, it just seemed really tone deaf on a lot of people's parts, you know, with everything going on, you got billionaires and millionaires bickering with each other. It was a bad look, no matter who you think was in the right. Uh, and, and when it really comes down to it, I mean, you can kind of make the case that this was lose, lose, neither side really won per se. I mean, the, the owners are clearly, they're going to lose money this season. Uh, that much is clear, I think, especially if, if fans can't come to the games. And then the players are, are going to be making, you know, just a fraction of what they would if, if it was a full 162-game season. So nobody really wins here. I'd say, you know, the fans win because we get some sort of baseball back. Uh, but you know, there's, there's also the flip side of things that it's, it's going to look different, uh, some different rules in place. The scheduling is going to be weird. So it, it's, it's, it's hard to describe what this is going to be like. This is, it, it's, this is going to be unlike any other baseball season that's ever happened. So but the jury's still out on that. Yeah, no question. I mean, you look at professional sports in the United States across the board, Everything is so jumbled right now. We might be playing a hockey season where there are 24 playoff teams. We could be seeing all of the NBA and WNBA playing down in Disney World. 
And again, there's more complications with that, with COVID cases spiking. So, yeah, it's a very weird time. And, you know, baseball is where you can't consider such a small sample size normal. Now, of course, sample size is a big part of sports in general, but we've seen basketball and hockey have lockout shortened seasons. And when you play, you know, 80 some games and it's shortened down to like 48, that doesn't have, in my opinion, nearly as big of an impact as shrinking down 162 to 60. Right. It's going to be weird. I mean, it's 60 games in baseball is not a ton. I mean, that's for, for MLB, this is going to be just slightly more than a third of the season. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, by baseball standards, this is a small sample size, uh, I don't know if some people knew this or not, but I saw it circulating last night that uh, the Cubs last year in 2019 through their first 60 games were tied for first place in the mm-hmm. NL Central. So we've already, you know, the, the, so you're saying there's a chance. I, I actually think that this shortened season helps the Cubs' chances of being a playoff team. I really do. Mostly because I look at that rotation and I see a guy like John Lester who I think can really only benefit from this, mm-hmm. to tell you the truth. He's getting up there in age, uh, starting pitchers, you know, as the season moves along, they start to wear down a little bit towards the end. I think that can only help the Cubs rotation, to tell you the truth. Uh, problems are going to arise, though, if somebody gets if somebody gets hurt, they get injured, then, you know, you're you're already flirting with a player being out for the whole season, so... That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think that the the funniest thing about all of this and all the discussions about whether or not baseball would come back, COVID-19 kind of took a backseat through all of these discussions. It never really was the center uh, of the discussion. It was really mostly just all about money. And then once we got that settled, well, it didn't get settled and they just had to implement something. But that's that's a whole nother story. It was only then, after we got the season implemented, that we finally kind of came around to the COVID situation, which the players have signed off on the health protocols. But, you know, there's still it's still a huge thing to consider because, I mean, what what happens if one player gets uh, gets infected during the season and it spreads throughout the team? I mean, you're talking about potentially having to replace an entire roster. And so this is, you know, when people kind of start bringing up the asterisks, which I've heard people mention uh, for the NBA, too, when they come back. Uh, because, I mean, think think about it, you know, if the if Chris Bryant gets sick, the, you know, the Cubs are in the middle of a playoff push. They're, they're in the thick of this thing. They could easily win the Central. Chris Bryant gets sick. He's out. Maybe Anthony Rizzo gets it, and he's out. You Darvish gets it. He's out. And all of a sudden, the Cubs don't have any of their star impact players it's it's going to be hard to look back at that season and say, you know what, uh, everybody gave it their all, and this is what happened. It's just going to be it's going to be hard to look at it that way. If impact players go down because of COVID nineteen, that's going to dramatically affect the way we analyze the season. It, absolutely, and you also got to wonder too if we see more and more guys get sick. You know, when are they going to have to say we got to shut this down again? Because yeah. You can't have a season and not have one team play. Like, let's say the entire, I don't know, Cincinnati Reds team gets infected. You can't just say, well, the Reds don't play. You can't do that. No. It's either they all play or none of them play. And and I don't I don't know what they would do in that situation. And if, if a whole team gets wiped out by this thing, what, what do you do then? Do you, do you then just bring up 30 minor leaguers? And just have a glorified triple A team filling in in the in the meantime, is is that really the the next best option? Yeah, I mean, I would assume you'd have to shut things down because you think about the facilities, you'd have to get a deep cleanse of those. Uh, there yeah. would just be a lot of See, a lot of things going on at once. And that's why that's why I'm skeptical that this is even going to happen. I mean, I I want to I want to be optimistic and believe that we are going to get to see some baseball, but it, it just the reality of the situation is is that it feels like it's hanging by a thread and yeah. we're just always right on the cusp of this thing totally blowing up in our faces because you know it, it like you said if one player gets it and he's in the facilities it, it could spread like wildfire after mm-hmm. that well think about it the only difference between a few days ago and today is that there's something scheduled 
Right. Nothing has changed with the, well, I mean, things have changed with the virus. You're getting more cases, you're getting spikes. But what I'm trying to say is, like you said, and what I've said before, the pandemic never went away. And right. I said it on Twitter, like the way you just said it, the whole situation between the negotiations have masked the fact that the reason we were in this place in the beginning is because there is a pandemic. The virus right. does not care who gets more money or who gets prorated salaries. The virus is a virus and it's infecting everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's, this is not over just because we're tired of, of the way we're living right now. It's, it's unfortunate. It's not ideal, but it is the reality of our situation and we have to make the best of it. Uh, I, it just, it, it feels, it feels like we're really close to, to baseball not happening. I mean, I, I was as excited as anyone when I saw we, you know, that they finally announced the season, but I, I still am maybe just like only 50% sure that we're actually going to see baseball. Yeah. Because I'm kind of at it, that coin flip right now. It's, it's, it's still, we really don't know enough about the virus yet i think right. obviously we've made a lot of strides but we there's still a lot of things that we don't know there's a lot of scenarios that that we're still considering that are up in the air you know there there was reports a few days ago i think i saw that said that that asymptomatic people maybe don't spread the virus nearly as much and and you know part of that is i guess a little bit common sense that if you if you are having dramatic symptoms coughing a lot then obviously your chances of spreading it are greater but but just something like that no it, you know if we knew for a fact that asymptomatic people who were infected probably weren't going to spread it i mean that would be a huge huge development for sports coming back but that's still something that we just don't know if that's actually true yet or not and it seems like we're getting mixed reports every day people yeah. are walking back on reports so it, it it still feels like we're in the infancy of our understanding of this virus uh and you know it takes a long time to develop vaccines it, mm -hmm. it you know it typically takes years to do that so you know, I, I don't think that fast tracking a vaccine is really something that's going to affect sports this year. I think, we, it, you know, we're just going to have to make do with whatever the situation is. But yeah, I mean, and, and think about it this way. It, what if a team travels uh, and the home team finds out that that somebody tested positive on the team that's coming? I mean, are they even going to want to play? No, I mean, no, they're, they're gonna, not going they're to. Gonna, they're going to. Maybe th that player that tested positive will obviously sit out and stay home, but then the other team is going to be concerned that it might have spread right. to other people on the team, and they and right. they're just asymptomatic. And it's, it's all these red flags that we just have so little understanding of so far. Yeah, ex exactly. It makes a lot of uncertainty. And here are a few things that they are going to try to do to prevent COVID from spreading. Here's just a few bullet points. Players, coaches, and support staff will be tested for COVID every other day during spring training, the regular season, and postseason. Players will receive temperature symptom checks twice per day. Antibody testing will be conducted once per month. Social distancing will be encouraged as much as possible, both on the field and off. Players and other team personnel not participating in the game will be sitting in the stands at least six feet apart. Non-playing personnel must wear masks in the dugout and bullpen at all times. No pregame exchange of lineup cards. No celebratory contact, high fives, fist bumps, hugs, etc., no spitting or chewing of tobacco or sunflower seeds. Only chewing gum is allowed, as long as you don't spit it. A ball will be thrown out once it has been touched by multiple players. Um, I mean, that pretty much happens anyway, but they're going to be very careful with that. Yeah. Fights are strictly prohibited, which, you know, uh, weren't they already kind of not encouraged? But I think, I think the point is pretty clear. They want to have as little contact as possible on the field. And right. people have asked this question, too. You're a batter in the box. The umpire and the catcher are right behind you. I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, if they do play, they're going to try to kind of, it's hard to distance because you got to be in a certain spot. But yeah, 
they're probably not going to face each other as much as possible. If you're a batter in the box, you know, you're facing ahead at the pitcher. You're not looking back at the umpire or the catcher. It's going to be hard to resist it because it's, you know, nature to do that in certain situations, but they're going to have to try their best not to even talk in their direction. You know, you don't want to be spitting or coughing at each other. Yeah. Um, I will say this Uh, of the major professional sports. I do think baseball has uh, a better shot. Than, than basketball. I mean, there, there's a ton of physical contact in basketball. Oh, yeah. There's I oh, mean, yeah. comparatively, there's really, there's not nearly as much physical contact in baseball. I mean, you've got your, your tag outs and guys on base next to each other. But other than that, the baseball, I think, has got a better shot than most. But I mean, the, the concern, I think, really is extends down to uh, the spread of the virus to their family members and other people throughout their communities. Uh, because based on the data we've seen, the reality is, is if an MLB player gets COVID nineteen, it seems to be that they would they would be perfectly fine. You know, even with symptoms, it, it, the data shows that a healthy young professional athlete is is most likely going to make a full recovery and be fine. But you know, the concern is spreading it to at risk people. And it will be interesting to see if any prominent players decide to opt out of this. Yes. My understanding from what I saw last night was that at-risk players uh, do have the option to sit out and still get paid. Anyone else can opt out too, but if you're not at risk, you won't get paid. That was my understanding. I don't know if that's fully accurate or not. Yeah, there's obviously different opt-out uh, you know, talks going on right now, and it seems like overall there's going to be players that are going to opt out no matter what, just because of the safety of it, whether they get paid or not. Um, And you know, that's understandable too. Here's what I worry about really on the staff. Think about all the old managers and coaches. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's the, you know, the, the average age of the manager has gone down in recent years, but they still, you know, the older you are, the the more at risk you are. I mean, I, I immediately Baker, think of example. somebody like Dusty Baker, yeah, who's yeah. in his seventies. I mean, that's if Dusty were to get it, that's no joke. You know, it, this is just me. If I were Dusty at my age, with the money I've made, being on the Astros with all the controversy with COVID, I'd honestly say, you know what, <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. I don't well, want to yeah, deal with this. And this is a one-year deal for him in a shortened season where he's managing a team that the country universally despises now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what what does Dusty really have to gain here? I, I you know, I, I don't think that this would change his reputation any at all. I think, you know, whatever people think of him now, I don't think they're going to think any differently of him after this season. Right, because even if he does win his first World Series as a manager and it's the Astros, even though, you know, the cheating scandal already happened, you know it's going to be looked upon in a different way. Oh, yeah. it's It does not matter what the Astros do this year. Everyone's still going to hate him. Yeah. I'm and Dusty included. had nothing to do with that, too. Right, right. It's, it's just, There's really not a win scenario for Dusty here. Maybe for himself personally, but just... As far as the public eye, I don't see anything changing in that regard. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, Let's go and talk about the way this season is actually structured, because there's a lot of weird things about it. And then after that, we'll kind of talk about how it affects the Cubs in more detail. Um, So 60 games, obviously, 40 games versus the division, 20 interleague geographically, so the Eastern divisions will play each other, the Central, the West. So the NL Central will not play teams in the East or the West and, you know, so on and so forth. So the only games you're playing within your own league are your own division. And I'm not surprised. I'm sure you're not either. I had a feeling no. they kind of stick to that. Yeah, I, I think we all sort of assumed that that when they implemented a season that they would try to keep it to you know, just regional traveling distances. And that, that makes perfect sense to me. I'm disappointed because I, I always enjoy watching the Cubs play teams like the, the Braves and the Phillies, the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I understand why they would have to do this. So that, that doesn't really, I, I have no concerns about that. I think that's probably the smart way to go. Yeah. I mean, we all saw it coming. It's no surprise. Now, when, 
everything starts, it's going to be a 30-player roster, and then it's going to go down a bit. I mean, I think that it's hard to make a bigger roster of, like, 40-plus, like an early spring training roster. But, you know, I would not be... I would not be surprised to see that that number fluctuate throughout the season. I think this, you know, I think that that could be subject to change as we go along. If you know, if you see teams start to, you know, flirt with losing too many players, I would not be surprised if they midway through the season expanded rosters even more just because it had to happen to even play. Yeah, I mean, so far the plan is for it to cut down. But if something changes, maybe it does. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical of that that they that they would actually realistically be able to cut them down. Yeah, that would be that would seem to be kind of difficult. But we'll see how that develops. Um, playoffs are going to be normal. You know, there's no expanded playoffs. It's going to be the same format. Now, here's something interesting. August 31st, there's going to be a formal trade deadline. So, more or less halfway. You play a month, a little more than a month. Then you got your trade deadline. Then you have like another month of the season. So basically in the middle, you got your trade deadline. Boy, is it going to be hard to evaluate where you're at at that point? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 going to be a real guessing game, honestly. And and you're going to you're going to have guys who maybe just have a hot hand in a shortened season like this, the short sample size people just going off. And you're not really going to fully understand what you're dealing with and what areas you need to improve. It'll it'll be weird. It'll be really yeah. weird. I mean, this this sort of takes the endurance factor out of the season. It feels more this is more like a sprint now than, you know, that's in baseball, you typically yeah, you pace yourself, but th- this is going to feel way different. Here's my opinion on a Cubs standpoint when it comes to a trade deadline. I would not really want them to spend, spend, spend at the trade deadline, especially if you're trying to rebuild your farm system the way you are. I would yeah. not want to see them trade away valuable assets, young valuable assets, for a 60 game season. If you're no, going to be active no. at the deadline, I would say it's if the Cubs are out of it and they just don't look good and maybe you want to sell off a piece or two, maybe you could get some value, but I would not want them to go on like a shopping spree or spend oh, a lot to get something. No, absolutely not. And I think I think most other teams, if not all of them, will have the same mentality too. Uh-huh. I just don't I don't think any team is going to be willing to trade off valuable assets for a rental in a shortened season like this. I just can't see that happening. You'll probably see small deals be like, "Okay, yeah. here's a guy, you know, that we don't really need. Uh give us cash and a player to be named later, something like that." Sure. I don't really no block. see big blockbusters, no. No. No, I I I would be shocked if any blockbusters happened because I I think most owners and GMs realize that if they were to make a blockbuster trade, the, the backlash from the fans would would just be unreal. And what would happen if you made a blockbuster trade at the deadline and then all of a sudden a bunch of covid cases came out and then you had to cancel right away. So you made you made the deal official and then Yeah. I don't know how that would work. Exactly. I mean, that's that's just one of many reasons why you wouldn't do this. I mean, there's there's no take backsies. So, right. Or what if what if you make the trade, you finish the season, and then there's a huge spike during October, and you can't play the postseason when it really matters. You know, right? It, it, all the, all those factors, I think, are there. So, I would not want to see the Cubs trade away any young valuable assets, and I I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I don't think so either. I would hope not, but yeah, I I don't think that they would do that either. Now, what we could see is teams trying to shed salary. That is that's a little different. We could yeah. tr- we could see that. I would hope that we wouldn't have to trade anybody away just to shed some money. I I would truly truly hope that. I know there's been people talking about it, but I'm going to remain hopeful that we're not going to have to do that. Let's hope we're not going to have to do that. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Now we're going to get into the actual rules of the game. 
And Adam, I understand that you have some strong feelings about some of this stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to mute my microphone and I'm going <laughs> to let you go off for as long as you need. Adam, the floor is yours. Uh, take a nice deep breath and let it all out. For the longest time, it seems like we've done a decent job of keeping Rob Manfred from actually acting on his worst impulses. But that time has now ended. And what he's decided to do for this shortened season is just totally blasphemous, in my opinion. And I, you know, I'm going to get called a, a boomer and you know a stupid boomer traditionalist. But starting a runner on second base in extra innings is not baseball. That's that's not baseball. That's that is such a blasphemous rule to add. It is just a slap in the face to fans everywhere. Because I, I think for the most part, by and large, fans don't want this. It's a stupid rule. I mean, it's what it is, is gimmicky. And when it really comes down to it, I can't figure out why this is actually necessary. You know, we, we've already discussed a lot of things that are going to be happening in this season that make sense, given the circumstances. This, I can't find any logical reason why this is necessary. Uh, but I but I do know why they're doing this, though. I do know why they're doing this. It, this, this has nothing to do with adding a convenience to a truncated season with the pandemic. This comes down to one thing. They want to test this so they can talk about doing it in the future, too. That is why they're doing this. It's the same reason why we're getting universal DH, too. I mean, you may think to yourself, okay, you know what? These rules, this sucks. It's not baseball. I don't like it. But if it's just for one shortened season, I'll live with it. I'll get past it. I'll get over it. And next year we'll be back to normal baseball. No, no. Throw all that out the window because I promise you that if this season happens and we go through with this and we see all these these stupid extra rules, it's going to create in-depth conversations about keeping these rules and making them permanent. It's going to be on every sports talk show. I promise you it will. All of the talking heads are going to be saying, we need to keep the extra innings rule, or we, we need to keep the, the universal DH. This is good for the game. This is what the game needs to attract younger fans. I'll tell you something. Those guys say that because they're not even that interested in baseball. I mean, it, any sports show you watch on Fox Sports 1, on ESPN, wherever – you watch those under normal circumstances throughout the summer. They rarely talk about baseball. NBA and NFL pretty much control the narratives all the time. When it really comes down to it, those guys just aren't that into baseball. And so they tend to kind of just aimlessly go with whatever uh, rule gets floated out there because they think that that's what's necessary to attract a younger crowd. But really what you're doing is, is you're messing with the foundation of the game to try to and, and attract an audience that was never interested and is probably never going to be interested. And in doing so, you're, you're going to isolate the fans that you've already got. But when it really comes down to it, it, this is just the commissioner of baseball not respecting the integrity of the game, the history of the game. Uh, and you, you, you can roast me all you want, call me a boomer all you want, but to me this is absolute blasphemy. Because it, I even tweeted it last night. If this was a one-time temporary thing, I could get over it, but it's not. It's going to create a discussion about making these rules permanent, and I just I can't get over it. End rant. I got to tell you, that was a pretty solid rant. Some ranters can kind of drift off or bring up other things and go on other tangents. You pretty much stage your course. So I'm going to give you that. Very, very well done. Okay. I agree with you about the runner at second thing. It's gross. I don't like it. I don't, I don't think... I haven't seen a fan yet that does like it. At least I haven't. Maybe there are some that don't mind it, but, you know, I don't like it either. Why don't you just put slip and slides on the base paths, too, while we're at it? Actually, that might be kind of fun. <laughs> Think about it. You hit the ball and you just you slide. Boy, just, imagine the back injuries. You know, and one thing I didn't mention too, uh, it, this is going to, 
the same thing's going to happen every time in extra innings. I, I promise you, every time you go to the 10th inning, I promise you there's a 90% chance you're going to see a sack bunt. It's going to happen almost yeah. every time. And then right after that, there's going to be an intentional walk. I don't think it's going to create this intensity and excitement that people think it is. I think it's it's mostly going to lead to the same exact thing every single time. I want your opinion on this idea that I kind of had just for this season only right. in extra innings. Sudden death. No runners at second, just whoever scores first wins. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that, you know, theoretically if this was just for this season. Uh, you know, I I like that in football. I always I always liked in the NFL the sudden death overtime. You know, I I always felt that if a, a, a professional team couldn't keep you from scoring on defense, then you know that's that. Been tough. And yeah, so I, I, I look I at it from a hockey perspective more, but yes, I okay. get what you're saying. Okay, so I, I could I could live with that. Again, it's not something that I that I would like. I think or really even enjoy. But if it was just for, if I was assured that it was only for this shortened season, I could live with that. Because uh, you know, think... it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be. Because I I really don't think that they would implement sudden death long term. Now, runner at second long term, that I think would have more of a chance to be implemented, just because Manfred has talked about it for so long. I just. I can't get over that. That that is just so egregious. It, I, I just am, I'm honestly at a loss for words. That's not baseball. That is not baseball. No, it's not. I don't even like seeing it in the minors because you're supposed no. to be grooming these kids for the major leagues. So yeah, I really am not into this whole this lately this thing where we use the minor leagues as as a way to just test crazy stupid rules. I'm I hate it. You know, let let them play the game as it was meant to be played too. Yeah, I mean, you're almost turning the minor leagues into like a guinea pig experiment. Yeah, I was gonna. You took the words right out of my mouth. They they're just glorified guinea pigs for the majors now, which is stupid. I I don't want to see the extra innings runners thing. I don't want to see a pitch clock. I don't want to see universal DH. Let them play the same game as the the major leaguers. The only scenario, the only scenario I wouldn't mind, like a runner at second, sun death scenario is if it's 10th inning of a spring training game and you just want to see somebody win because it doesn't matter. But even so, I wouldn't like that as much, but I would stomach it more in spring training when the games truly don't matter than in a game that actually counts. And here's the other thing, too. What really would make me nauseous is the idea of ties. I think that in professional sports, unless you have a point system, there should be no ties. And I, I don't want a point system in baseball. Point system is wonderful for hockey, yeah, in my get opinion. Get that crap out of baseball. Yeah. Not baseball. It's because hockey's a timed sport. Hockey is just a different sport. But to have it in baseball, it just imagine having 162 games with a point system. It just it it would yeah. be too messy. Yeah. It, it, uh, that would also be blasphemous. It's, it just, I can't see the relevance of these things. I don't see why they're necessary. Even the universal DH, I can't put my finger on why having a DH in the NL actually helps the situation. I don't think it does. I think this is just to experiment and see if people like it so they can keep doing it in the future. I think that's all it is. I don't think there's any real compelling reason why the NL needs a DH for this season to go smoothly. There just isn't. No, I think this is more of an experimental thing long term. I think this is where you and I disagree because I I know you're very anti-DH and I'm kind of eh on the whole thing. If they were to implement it, I'd, I'd accept it. For this I, year, I maybe, but going forward, I, I wouldn't. I mean, have it. If your pitcher has to hit, that just you have to strategize a lot more that way, and that's a that's a part of the game that I've always loved a lot is is strategizing around that, and it just feels lazy and and, and to take that away and just say you know what here you, the, one of these guys can hit instead. 
it, it feels lazy. It just doesn't feel like baseball to me. But, you know, like you said, we have different views on this. If I had my way, I'd get rid of the DH in the American League too. But I I might be in a minority opinion on that one. In yeah, fact, I'm sure I, I am. I, I've usually been an NL fan, but I just look at how it could benefit the Cubs, and I, I can't help but think, you know... I kind of wouldn't mind seeing Schwarber or Rizzo with his back not having to play yeah. the field or Contreras yeah. DHing and letting Caratini. I just wrote a piece on Caratini and his value. And I mean, Contreras is the overall superstar player, but Caratini's a better catcher. So I think if you had Caratini in there more often, yeah. That could, I, I, yeah. I could see that. I mean, who, so. So who who is your ideal candidate to be the primary DH for the Cubs this year? See, I I don't think there's going to be a primary candidate. I think, think there's going to be primary candidates, so a pool okay. of people that you're going to put in based on matchups. Okay, so so you don't think they 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 pick one guy and have him mostly be the DH for the season. You think that they it's, you know, game by game. Yeah, I think it's going to be more okay. like that. I, I think Kyle Schwarber is going to definitely get his time at DH. Yeah. But Steven Souza, yeah. I mean, you, you want to get him in there, and you want to have Hayward as well, and you know Hayward is best in right field, and you want to get Ian right. Happ in there too. So if you want to get Ian Happ and Hayward in there, you're going to want Ian Happ in center and Hayward in right. So you either have Souza at DH or you have schwarber at dh and maybe you put somebody else in left field like almora you don't have ben zobras to put out there anymore yeah maybe put chris bryan out there more there's a lot of possibilities yeah i i think that i think most people most cubs fans would would think that kyle schwarber would be the logical choice and that's what that's who i thought of at first too ian happ is intriguing i think as as a dh candidate i i could see that i mean he's he's no slouch anywhere defensively that he plays. Uh, but I, I also don't know that, you know, he's the greatest asset they have on defense either. And and the pop in his bat, I think he could be an intriguing DH candidate. I think that, you know, that could open the door for Almora to actually play a little more. He's, he's, he's good. He's solid in center field, but uh, not so great with the bat lately. So I, I, this, this opens things up for the, for the Cubs a little bit. Uh, but I, I think I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think that they're just going to pick one guy and have him be the primary DH all year. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that it will change on occasion. I think they'll, you know, they'll get they'll get a handful of guys and it, it'll move around. And like you said too, injuries could be a factor too. If if somebody's yeah. not feeling you know a hundred percent physically right, then maybe you don't have them play the field. I could see that too. It's like you don't want to take that spectacular multi-gold glove slash platinum glove winning defense from Anthony Rizzo, but we know the back problems are there, and we know they're slowly climbing, and he had the ankle injury last year, so you might want to get him some rest in the field. And getting guys rest using the DH isn't going to be as big a thing, I don't think, this year, just because it's only 60 games, but... Um, I think the point still stands that you may put somebody in there from time to time uh, for that reason. I yeah. You're never going to put Baez at DH. That's never going to happen. His defense is too valuable. You're never going to put Hayward as a DH. His defense is his biggest asset, yeah. obviously. And, you know, I, I kind of look at guys like Chris Bryant and you think, well, he can play multiple positions, and overall he's a good defender. But let's say you want to play David Bodie in there, and you want Chris Bryant in there, obviously, but you want some of your other boppers. Maybe Chris Bryant plays a game at DH. I don't think he'd be a long-time DH, no. maybe a game or two. But if you're I just going based on matchups, you know, the, the combinations are – there's a lot of combinations. You know, it, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how Ross handles that. Because I, I think if it was Madden, we would definitely see like twenty guy, twenty different guys get to be DH. He would get really weird <laughs> yeah. and experimental with it. Uh, so, but David Ross, I think, will take maybe a little bit more tamer approach 
to this. One thing that I, that bugs me about this that I really don't like is that in interleague play, I always felt like the Cubs had you know slightly more of an, an advantage when an American League team had to come to Chicago and they had to have a pitcher hit. I always liked having that little slight advantage. Uh, so losing that this year, obviously, it's it's not a huge concession to make, but you know it's still something. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was thinking the other day of when the pitching was struggling at times the past few years. You know, you get those stretches where the starting pitchers were not doing very good. I was kind of thinking, well, you know what we don't have this year is in those in those uh, starts that Quintana struggles in, he doesn't have that pitcher to face to get out of some of those yeah. jams like he has. Uh, yeah. So, But you know what? Everyone's in the same boat. Right. You know, I will say this. Uh, the Cubs, the Cubs only playing regional teams. I think that they, they did get lucky in that the American League Central, I think, is by far the worst division in the American League. So I'm, I'm not going to say that, the, you know, those are easy wins or anything because, you know, the, the Cubs are, are obviously not predicted to be a, a huge powerhouse this year either. But, I mean, not having to play the Yankees or, or the Rays or the Red Sox, uh, the A's even are pretty good, the the Astros. I, th- I think they kind of lucked out in that department because, you know, like like I said, I don't want to say they're easy wins, but I, I would feel fairly confident playing against the Royals and the Tigers. Let's talk, yeah, let's just go in and talk about that right now. So we talked about the geography. Here's how the games would break down. 10 against the Cardinals. 10 against Milwaukee, 10 against the Pirates, 10 against the Reds, and then all those AL teams that you mentioned, four Twins, four White Sox, four Royals, four Tigers, four Indians. So let's do a little activity here. Why don't we list from top to bottom the teams that we have to kind of watch out for the most? I mean, we're not talking in terms of like standings per se, only the division teams we care about standings, but in terms of tough matchups, I think let's let's try to prioritize who you think would be the toughest matchups so in, from in, top to bottom. In NL Central and AL Central both? Yeah, so all the teams we're going to play. Okay, okay. I think, you know, that that's actually sort of tough, I think if if I had to say right now, I guess I would put the Cardinals as the toughest. Oh, me too. Yeah, and and uh, I would I would probably go with Milwaukee next. Part of me wants to say Cleveland, but I I, I think that Cleveland is sort of sliding a little bit. Uh, I kind of want to say the Twins too. The the Twins, yeah, I think the Twins are another team that they, that's definitely a worthy adversary. But they, I, I don't know if I see them quite living up to the expectations of the last couple of seasons. I think even the White Sox are going to be a little bit tougher of a team this year oh, big than time. they have been. I, you know, I've mentioned it several times that I I'm not nearly as on board with the White Sox rebuild as other people are. I I'm still very much. At a, I'll believe it when I see it stage, but you know, people see big things happening for the White Sox, but just just the circumstances alone, I think, are going to make that sort of a tough little four game series, you know, and just the fact that there's the the inner city rivalry. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I guess my my top four would be St. Louis, Milwaukee, Minnesota, Chicago White Sox in that okay. order. Yeah, so mine would be one Cardinals, two Twins, just because I think they got a lot of firepower, three Brewers. I'd normally put Brewers too, but I, they they did lose a lot of players, but they yeah. find a way to still be up there. Yeah. Uh, four, four, I'm going to put the Reds. I'm going to put the Reds at four. You're, they, you're sort of a believer in the Reds, aren't you? Well, uh, you know... Kind of yes, kind of no. I think it's less of them contending and just them being a thorn in our side. Okay. Well, it's, you know, they already were that. <laughs> right. So that's yeah. kind of where I put that. Okay. And then right in the middle five, I'm going to put White Sox with a chance to go up because I think the White Sox are on a great, great trend. 
Um, it's just with a season like this, with so many young, inexperienced players, it's kind of hard to predict how they're going to come out yeah. just being a young I, team. I actually, I think that, I think that this situation is actually perfect for a team like the White Sox. I do too. For, for any of these maybe up and coming, slightly middle of the pack teams, all you need is a hot start. Yes. I mean, taking, taking out the, the sort of long haul factor of this, I think can really only benefit a team like the White Sox, honestly. I think so too. Plus, you know, they have a very favorable division and I am tempted to put the White Sox a little higher. I just feel like since we're going to have more games against the Cardinals and the Brewers and the Reds, that's why I'm going to put most of them a little higher and then give the twins just a slight edge because they're the defending champions. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I could definitely see the Sox rising even higher than that. Um, and then the last three, Indians, I just think they've really slid down. Ed, Tigers and Royals are pretty much just scrapping at the bottom there. It's hard to hard to say who's going to be absolute dead last because they're both not very good. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much where I am on that list. Yeah, I, I think we're 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 fairly similar on that list. Uh, you know, I I hate to jinx it, but I I do look at teams like the Tigers and the Royals and the Pirates as as being a, a very bright spot on the schedule for the Cubs. And obviously, the Cubs have proven themselves as a team that that you know you you can't count on them to always win the easy games that they're supposed to win. But just glancing over it, it should bode well for them playing Pittsburgh and Kansas City and Detroit. Yeah. Now, the Pirates, I'm not high on the Pirates at all, but I could kind of see them being that thorn-in-the-side team. Could you? See, I honestly, I think the Pirates have a shot to be the worst team in the league. I thought that going into a full season, though, so maybe this changes things. But I honestly, I... I see the Pirates being one of the worst dumpster fires in the league. Yeah, they could be. I mean, I, I think the thing with them is they have no power hitters. Yeah. And their pitching has not been very good. Too. They're not in a good spot right now, no. They're just, they're slappy hitters. They I make, think, you know, they hit for high averages, not high slugging. So top, I could just see that being annoying. Top to bottom, they got a lot missing in most areas to be honest. There's really not anywhere where they, they shine at all. They're, Their they're... best player far and away is Josh Bell. Yeah, which, you know, that's Josh Bell is a good player, but, I mean, they, they, they really are lacking in so many areas. And Yeah, you, they are. The Chris Archer trade has, you know, been sort of a disaster, to be honest. Yeah. I'm so glad the Cubs didn't shell out for that. Oh, yeah, I can remember... I can remember years ago, you know, journalists seriously talking about Javi Baez for Chris Archer, and thank God that did not happen. Do you remember the Shelby Miller Baez rumor? (laughs) Oh, man. Shelby Miller. It's so funny because, yeah, Shelby Miller, he had that, like, three ERA at the end of the year, but he also had a horrible record. Like, he was pitching great, but never got any wins ever because the Braves just couldn't score any runs. Yeah. yeah. I can't I can't remember off the top of my head how that finished, but I, I he had something like a low threes ERA, but went like 9-21 and 21 or something because the Braves lineup was so bad. Shelby Miller is still technically active, and apparently he's with the Milwaukee Brewers as a non-roster invitee. Oh, so that's that pretty much guarantees that Shelby Miller is going to be a Cy Young candidate this year. Yeah, and he's going to absolutely be lights out against the Cubs. Um, <laughs> yeah. So since uh, that trade, that big trade in 2015, where the Arizona Diamondbacks just got robbed. <laughs> oh, um, they got fleeced. <laughs> fleeced. Yeah. This, is, this is Shelby Miller, what he's done since then. Coming off that all-star season. 689 ERA in 48 games. Ouch. And a whip of 1.8. Ouch. And to your point about um, the win-loss record in 2015, he led all of baseball with 17 losses, while he led the National League in starts with a 302 ERA, a 345 FIP, and a pretty 
decent whip at 1.25. Wow. <laughs> 6 and 17 with a 302 ERA. Uh-huh. Braves should be absolutely ashamed of themselves for that. That is quite the feat. Well, that I mean, Braves that team is, lost 95 games, so they weren't good. That offense ha- had to have almost tried to be that bad. <laughs> like, and the, I think the thing of it is, too, that I, I don't think the Braves' offense was, as a whole, that atrocious. I think that it, it weirdly enough, just ended up being that they were atrocious on Shelby Miller Day. I mean, on paper, you had A.J. Perzinski, who was still putting up decent offensive numbers. You had Freddie Freeman, who's one of the better hitters in the game. You had uh, Nick Markakis, who's very underrated. You didn't have a lot of home run power. You had some decent on-base guys. They just didn't hit the ball out of the ballpark very much, and they didn't drive in a lot of runs. Uh, Wow, the RBI leader on that team was Freddie Freeman with 66. Ouch. Wow. Yeah. And they had Juan wow. Uribe on that team when he was Whoa. 30, 36. Man. Yeah. Former wow. White Sox champion. Classic name. Juan Uribe. Everyone knows Juan great, Uribe. It's a great name, but man, that's. Wow. He had to have been old. 36. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was definitely older. Yeah. But anyway, um, trying to think what else is important here to take note of. Um, we talked about the DH. We talked about the runner at second. Uh, we talked about the trade deadline. Um, transaction freeze is going to end this week. So moves can actually be made again. Some people on Twitter were wondering this. Will we see that Javier Baez extension come? Hmm. Probably not this season, I don't think. I, I don't see I don't see a lot of that happening throughout the league this year. Given that yeah. most teams are gonna take a bath in the financial department, I don't think we're gonna see a lot of that. Yeah, because I, don't I think, think we're gonna see I, much either. I think that that's gonna draw the ire of the fans who who are just so adamantly opposed to the owners, no matter what. Because you know, you, you've got this big sect of fans that that hate the owners so much and they're skeptical of whether or not teams are actually going to lose money. So then if you go if you then go out this year and sign somebody to a 100 million dollar plus extension then the fans are going to go, "Yeah, see, they got plenty of money. Why are they being so stingy?" So I I don't see that happening anywhere. Yeah, I think right now what's really important for the Cubs right now is Comcast strikes a deal with Marquee Sports. That's what I'd like to see more than anything right now, so I can actually watch the games. Um, But that's a whole other story and something that is once again being talked about because when this whole thing kind of went down at the time, that was that and the Chris Bryant trade rumors were the two biggest stories surrounding this team, even overshadowing the fact that David Ross was their manager. But those were like the two big storylines. And, you know, now you you lose a lot of Chris Bryant time this year and you still don't have a deal between Comcast and Marquee. So all that stuff is going to start up again. Yeah. Hopefully they get that hammered out because I mean, this, with everything else going on, that's the last controversy I want to even be thinking about, honestly. Yeah, really? <laughs> that's so true. Cause it was getting really tiring of hearing. Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. When's it going to happen while well, we're working on it? It got really old, and not hearing that every day was nice. So the potential prospect of hearing that every day again until it happens, it's just annoying. To say the least. Do you have any other thoughts going into this potential 60-game season? I think one that I had really quick was we're looking at the team. And we're looking at the key guys that we are going to need if they want to contend for a playoff spot to perform at a high level. And I think there's no doubt in my mind that big eyes are going to be on the bullpen. And there is no room for error when it comes to bullpen play. We can't be shuffling guys around. We can't be experimenting with this and that. We can't wait for Craig Kimbrell to come around. That needs to come around 
right away. Right. That's I really mean, important. Like like we said, with the shortened season, uh, there's there's going to be less room for error. Guys in the minor leagues are not going to have nearly as much time to develop uh, to the point of potentially joining the club. There's not going to be nearly as many teams selling good bullpen arms. So it's it's really not going to be easy to sort of slap a Band-Aid on your bullpen situation. It pretty much is just going to be what it's going to be, and that's going to be the end of it. Either Either your bullpen is good enough or it's not. It's going to be really hard to correct that midway through the season. So that's, that's I think, the biggest question mark with the Cubs. It was going to be anyway, even if we had a full season, but it's just really going to emphasize it now. Yeah, no question about that. And I would really love to see, in addition to Craig Kimbrell bouncing back, I would love to see a guy like Jeremy Jeffress be able to come in and pitch like he did those few years with the Brewers where he was really dominant. And then if you have Rowan Wick kind of continuing what he did last year and maybe some of those other guys that are coming up through the system, some of the other young guys, yeah. you have Kyle Ryan return. You know, there's potential for this bullpen to be very, very good. It's just kind of a matter of what bullpen is going to show up because you could flip a coin and say, you know what? The head side is really dang good, but the tail side is disastrous. You're not going to get, in my opinion, a mediocre bullpen. It's either going to be above average or it's going to be disastrous. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree with you on all accounts there. I, that's that's the way I see it playing out, too. I don't think there's going to be any middle of the road. It's either going to be great or it's going to be atrocious. Oh, let's hope for the better. It, it makes me nervous because Craig Kimbrell has not had a normal season in, what, two years now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's he's not really he's not going to have the full season to put it together. He's just either going to be he's either going to be Craig Kimbrell or he's he's going to suck. Yeah, and yeah. by the way, it doesn't sound like uh, Brendan Morrow is going to be healthy yet. Shocking. Oh, really? Wow, that's that's a completely new development. I I think we all expected him to be fully healthy and ready to go this season. It's so frustrating because remember how remember how good he was. Oh, he was awesome. Yeah, he was awesome. Oh, feel bad for the guy. You just can't catch a I break, do too. man. I do too. Here are a few. This was posted on the Cubs website. This is how we'll close out tonight's show. A few FAQs on the Cubs website. So they answer the questions about opening day, schedule, stuff we pretty much covered. They talked about the designated hitter. And I'm just curious to get their takes. So it pretty much we talked about easy answer is Kyle Schwarber, but that's not cut and dried. I think Steven Souza is going to be in there more than we think. As they mentioned here, they talked about Ian Happ like you did. And basically they said the same exact thing. Ross can handle this a lot of different ways. I just think it's interesting that that's on an FAQ on the Cubs website. I, I think that's kind of cool because this is new to us. Yeah, it's, it's a whole new world. And then uh, how can I watch games? Well, it <laughs> uh, depends on your cable <sighs> provider. Yeah. But hey, if you could listen to 670 The Score. You could get old Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer. And I have a feeling that I'm going to be mainly listening to Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer the way that's trending. But you know what? I love Pat Hughes. He's the best. I do too. They're great. I, you know, I, I live out in Nebraska, as some people know, so the blackout restrictions are not really a thing for me when it comes to the Cubs. Uh, I'm lucky in that regard. A lot, Most people around here are Royals fans, and it, it's, it's really hard to watch a Royals game on on the MLB app around here that's generally gets blacked out. I don't know why people are so mad that there's still going to be blackouts this year. I mean, I get why I don't like blackouts either. I hate them as much as anybody else, but I don't know why people expected them to like make a special thing out of this. So there wouldn't be blackouts. Blackouts never really had anything to do with actual crowd attendance. It's mostly just local TV providers getting their audience. So I, 
I, I'm not sure why people thought that blackouts wouldn't be a thing this year, but I wish they'd change, but I do in too. This short a time, it just didn't seem like it was going to. No, no, it's it's just really not that simple either. As saying, oh, you know what? Let's just let's just not do blackouts this year for the fans. It doesn't work like that. That's not how TV contracts work. People. Unfortunately, no. unfortunately, the world the world is not that easy. Sorry. No. Well, there is one more thing I forgot to say. So this is our one more thing. I know I've said one more thing several times, but I promise this is our one more thing. Just a little bit of news I wanted to mention really quick is that Ed Howard is officially a Cub. Woo! Got a nice little signing bonus I saw. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And I think that's pretty big news. I mean, we expected him to be part of the organization, but there's always the little bit of worry, oh, yeah. in my opinion, when he's got a commitment to a college. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not. Yeah, it's it's not uncommon for for first and second round guys, you know, high profile guys to to get drafted and then not sign. It's not uncommon. It happens a lot. No. So but, yeah, it's definitely newsworthy for sure. Yeah, we got him locked down. He's going to be part of the organization and following his steps along the way is going to be a lot of fun i really look forward to the day he finally makes his debut at wrigley field that's going to be a ways away but you know what we're going to be treated to some good news from him down in the farm yes sir all right well that is pretty much going to do it here on climbing the ivy i want to thank you all for listening i want to thank adam as always for being my co-host a reminder you can check out cubby's crib at cubbyscrib.com You can also check out their Facebook and Twitter pages. You can also check out this podcast on iTunes.com. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll talk to you later.